Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard. It's time to take a look and see how currencies, commodities and the like are travelling. What's up with commodities at the moment? How's gold going? Well, gold's pretty much there. It was up $15.18 an ounce on last week to $1,720.54 an ounce. Um, the copper price was up $68.33 a tonne to $9,119 a tonne. And the um, crude oil price was down $2.41 a barrel to $102.74. So the Australian dollar was a bit of a mixed bag all over the place. Um, yeah, we, we dropped um, two cents against the US dollar back to 75.76 cents. Any uh, reason for that? Uh, not really. Not really. Just uh, one of those just, ups and downs. Just, 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 just down. Sorry, 0.2 cents. 0.2 okay. cents, not 2 cents. 0.2. And um, we dropped 0.4 pence against the uh, British um, pound to 57.03 pence. And against the euro, we're up 0.27 to 64.93 euro mm-hmm. cents. So overall in the week, there really wasn't much moving the exchange rates. Um the All Ordinaries Index, the All Ordinaries Index is continuing to uh, fall away, basically on the price of the bank stocks falling. Um, so we're down 50.3 points on the week to uh, 6,093.8. Um, the S&P uh, 500, we were down uh, 3.8 on the week to 2,724. And the UK FTSE index were down 27 points to 7,689. Some uh, stocks that local investors like or seem to be invested in. Um, BHP was was down another dollar seventy one to thirty two dollars twenty. Um, CBA was pretty much steady at sixty nine sixty. Um, NIB was up by ten cents to five dollars forty two, and Telstra was steady at two dollars seventy nine. So it's 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 it has been lower than that about someone was telling me eight years ago. Um, and they think they think it's going to get lower still, but anyhow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's holding at the moment. It's well, it's, yeah, it's mm, just just well, it's dropped fifty. It's dropped sixty cents in a month. Um, anyhow, um, fuel prices. Um, Newcastle was up nine cents to a dollar fifty-two a litre, and Sydney was up fourteen cents to a dollar fifty-four cents a litre, and the diesel price in Newcastle was a dollar fifty-one, which is up three point seven cents, and in Sydney was up a dollar forty-seven, which is up two point five cents. So it looks as though we're paying more for fuel for our vehicles wherever we happen to be. Yes, and the long weekends coming up, isn't it? Oh, is that what the cause is? No, well that's it's your not usual the oil prediction. Price, is it? <laughs> well, the oil price in a dollar for terms actually fell. Okay, so we can. But there is a lead. A there is a lead. <laughs> yes, yeah, there is. So we can expect to fall after the long weekend. Henry. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. So you're you're involved in the Italian um, <laughs> the fiasco, Italian job.
then knocked it back and then yes. started a constitutional crisis, which started a bit of a global rout in stocks, and um, it all seems a bit of a one-day wonder now. It's all forgotten about. Well, yeah, I mean, it's going to lurk in the background, but I don't think there's ever really any possibility that Italy's actually going to leave um, the EU. Um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, they're pretty much ensconced in the EU. But, um, yeah, the UK's finding it hard enough, and they're a far stronger economy than Italy is. So, um, yeah, lots more to come in this, but today the market has ignored it, and we've made up all the gains that we lost yesterday. So, so we're that, up about 30 points for the month. So does that mean our balsamic vinegar is going to be higher or lower now? Um, well, I think, I think it's going to be... Um, Probably a bit, uh, a bit cheaper, really, because the oh, euro right. seems to have that's come down right. a little bit. That's so. all right. Well, that's good yeah. news. Then. Yeah, your Chianti will be cheaper. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, anyhow, at West Farmers, uh, uh, you know, if uh, Bunnings UK or uh, whatever it was called has turned into an absolute disaster, yeah, and they've off, they've offloaded it for one pound. I know. I think I think they did well getting a pound. To be honest. Uh, this is um, this. This will go down in corporate circles as a classic NBA study case. And there's a great article today in the Fin Review about how they basically stuffed it up, and they they've written off about 1.8 billion um, dollars on this uh, this UK adventure. And and the biggest problem they had is as soon as they walked in, most companies when they take over another company, they gather all the staff together and say, "Okay, guys." Nothing is going to change. We're always, everything's going to remain the same. We want you to carry on as normal. Now, that's the standard operating procedure, and you know that six months down the track, basically, you're gone. However, what West Farmers did was, as soon as they walked in, they said, no, actually, everything's going to change from now, and you're all sacked. And they sacked 140 senior managers across the home base, which is this business they bought in the UK. Um, and as a result, they had nobody there that really understood it. And despite saying they'd spent two years researching it, clearly they didn't because they ripped up 1.8 billion. Um, it's been a very expensive exercise. The UK is not the same as Australia in terms of seasonality, in terms of shopping patterns, in terms of competition. So it has been a um, terrible misadventure for Bunnings and West Farmers. And although you have to say, has not really done the share price much harm, which just continues to go skyward. Mm. Um, I'm not really sure why. Having written all, all this money off, had missteps along the way, they're selling coals, they're trying to get out of some of their pubs and hotels and things. Um, yeah, it's, it's strange. Uh, well, one of the great mysteries. It is one of the great mysteries. Which I'm sure will come to light at some stage. And so Refailed Food Group's appointed a new CEO who's going to do wondrous things. Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. I couldn't do any worse, could they? No. Uh, this, this, is, this is a company that's been heavily shorted, heavily under pressure, and it covers most of the unhealthy food groups in the world. Um, I think it's fair to say Donut King, Michelle's Patisserie, and Crust Pizza, um, together with Brumby's Bread. So you lump all those together lump being the word, um, there's plenty, of, it's, it should be Carbo Food Group, um, and it really has not covered itself in glory, and it's had problems with its franchisees, they've been splashed across the paper, the stock is languishing down at lows. Bear in mind, um, this time last year, uh, the stock was 
$5.14. And now it is 83 cents. That is a massive fall from grace. Now, I'm sure there's some people out there looking at this one as a potential takeover target and turn it around. Certainly there's some, some goodish businesses in there somewhere. Um, but uh, they have appointed a new CEO who's been there, I think, since January. And, of course, we'll get the strategic review. I'm sure they'll do the write-off. But certainly he seems to have helped the share price, which has recovered uh, in the last few days, although I do know that it's down nearly 6% today. So um, it's sort of uh, up one day, down the next. But it did hit a low, can you believe this, of 74 cents, which yes. is extraordinary, yes. from $5.14. Now, that is a great way to uh, destroy wealth in the in the space of a year. So, yep. Well, well the, the previous board might have wanted to own a small business, so they started with a large one, Henry. Well, that's exactly right. That's that's the best way to uh, to get a small fortune is to invest a large one in retail food goods. Yes, yes. So, I didn't know they owned crust pizza, but anyhow. Um, yes, they do. Yeah, so uh, Sonic Healthcare's got a few problems in, uh, well, Ireland, which... Uh, very yeah, serious. There's been some uh, there's been some issues in Ireland with uh, cancer screening and and a bit of a scandal there. Um, Sonic Healthcare is a very uh, large uh, healthcare provider across across the globe, I guess um, you would say. Um, very much focused on Australia though, but there does seem to be some issues there. Hasn't really affected the share price too much as yet. Maybe it just hasn't um, got a lot of um, coverage here. You know, the, the shares have been going pretty much sideways. For some time, I have to say, it's these health stocks. Um, everyone holds them up as this fantastic demographic story and theme, mm. but the reality is they have been performing pretty dodgily, mm. um, and we have seen, you know, a lot of pressure on healthcare mm. costs. Mm. Only this week, I think the ABC did a big thing on, on surgery yeah. costs. Yeah. Um, you know, and so so governments are, are trying to rein in the costs, uh, consumers are trying to rein in the costs, and um, health fund providers are trying to rein in the costs. Ah, Henry. Um, so ANZ's eventually sold their NZ Life business? Uh, they have. They yes. have. ANZ's, well, there's a lot of people selling an awful lot of things at the moment. Yes, yes. Um, ANZ has sold their New Zealand Life business. They got 700 million New Zealand dollars, or around 640-odd uh, Australian dollars. Um, they sold it to a group called uh, Cigna Corporation, um, and uh, they were one of three parties that uh, put in bids for them. Um, they've also sold their Australian life business um, some time ago for $2.85 billion. So ANZ are kind of a wash with cash. Um, it does raise their um, their um, common equity tier one ratios, which is the important thing that banks look at, by around five points. Um, so that's, that's a good thing. So the question, I guess, is what will they do with the cash, whether that will be returned to shareholders in some respect. But clearly the banks have been trying to get back to... Um, I think getting back to basics um, has been, the, been the, the way they want to go, trying to simplify their businesses, trying to get out of wealth management products, trying to get out of anything really that's going to, that's going to hit them with, uh, with bad PR and go back to their knitting. ANZ has been quite aggressive with this under Shane Elliott, um, probably more so than some of the other banks, although CBA is, is now uh, moving quite quickly as well. So um, having got all their um, Tier 1 ratios sorted and well above where APRA needs them, um, certainly on track to do that, then that question of where the cash goes is the, the big one, I guess. Yes, yes. Probably increased director's fees or something. Oh, uh, buybacks. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll get a special dividend or maybe it'll just be used to, to keep the dividend 
it is. And so Westfield, Westfield's disappeared. It is no more. It's, it's, it's today, a historic. It? It's a historic day um, for Australia. In actual fact, in uh, it has started trading today. But Westfield Trust, which I guess has been a, a stalwart and a massive, um, a massively successful Australian company, um, has ceased to be. It is no more. It is pining for the fields. Um, it is. Um, it is defunct. And today, it has become Unibail Rodamco. Westfield, um, RURW is the code now, and it's just started trading 35 minutes ago, um, currently trading at $14.71. have to say, so far, um, only 53,000 shares have traded. So those shareholders of Westfield that accepted the bid or the merger terms ended up with a bunch of these Unibail uh, Rodamco shares and some cash. Um, and also, I think they get a, um, a, a, an exposure to um, another part of Westfield that kind of got spun out. So it's a bit complicated, um, and um, we'll see how it goes. But yes, I think there's about $7 billion worth of cash that gets um, paid to shareholders, and, and it's got to go somewhere. So maybe that'll help the other real estate and trusts. Yes, and uh, Beach well, Energy... Before you leave that, though, Stephen, what are we going to call the new the, all the shopping centres that are currently... Oh, no, they'll still that's, be Westfield. Oh, Because yeah. yeah, um, the, the, um, Westfield itself, um, the, the business that they merge with Unibail is the international or overseas shopping centre businesses. Centre Group, which now holds the, uh, the local shopping centres, and they're, they're called Westfield. So the name's only disappearing from the ASX as opposed to from your local uh, shopping mall. Oh, yes. that's good. Yes. Yeah. And um, Beach Energy is looking for further acquisitions. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of strange because you always think of Beach as like a little mid-cap yeah. um, uh, oil hill company, but it's now worth nearly $4 billion. So under, um, you know, Kerry Stokes is a, is a big shareholder there and under uh, the sort of the recent regime, they've expanded beyond all belief. They bought Lattice Energy and some other things like that and they're looking for more acquisitions. The stock's been a great performer um, for uh, for some time. It's, I mean, a year ago it was 60 cents, so it has uh, more than doubled in the last year. Um, of course, the oil price going to uh, 67 uh, dollars doesn't uh, doesn't hurt that at all, but um, yeah, still on the lookout for acquisitions. In fact, we saw an acquisition today in the in the mid cap oil sector with a thing called Sino Oil and Gas being bid for by um, a U.S. company for five hundred and thirty odd million. So there is there's a lot happening in that energy space. And of course, Santos was the uh, the big gorilla that got bid for um, and knocked it back, which, in the words of Sir Humphrey, was very courageous to knock yes. it back. And we'll yeah. see how see how that works out for shareholders. And just last, last thing before we head off, uh, Telstra is under pressure to reduce costs, I hear. Well, Telstra is under pressure to reduce everything. Yeah. Um, yes, Telstra is currently $2.80, has been the, the massive dividend trap. So many people own it because they think they're going to get that nice big fat dividend check. Well, yes, that's right, you do. But unfortunately, your capital is being eroded faster than you can say Jack Robinson or, or Andy Penn. And it's um, not been much fun for Telstra shareholders. They've got a big investor day in June, and there's going to be a lot of questions, a lot of pressure on Andy Penn to try and um, try and get us to understand the vision for the company. Um, it, it's, it's a tough one. NBN has really hurt them. And the, the question that I keep asking on TV is, you know, we've got a country of 25 million people. Do we really need all these telcos? Do we really need TPG, Vocus? Do we need... Um, Telstra, Optus, Vodafone, it's very competitive out there. 
Um, and although everyone believes 5G is the answer, I'm not sure it is. Mm. Still have suspicions that it's not. Um, I was at a fund manager thing yesterday where they were trying to, they, were, they were saying that that it was, and I said, oh, I don't think it's going to work like that. Well, yeah, the, the, there's, there's two issues I have with it. Is one, you've got to buy a new handset, so it's a significant yep. investment for a for a consumer. And secondly, 4G speeds are pretty damn good. Mm. You know, they're probably much better than NBN speeds. Mine runs at 50 instead of 20 mm. on my 4G. That's just fantastic to run most things. Um, so why would you need 5G, which is even faster, and pay a premium for it just to watch Netflix? Um, I, you know, there's some businesses that will need it and will embrace it, I'm sure, but it will be a selective yeah. um, amount of people because the difference between 50 megabytes per second and 150 is not going to be that great. Now, you'll be able to download the Marcus Today newsletter faster, though. You will, which will be a good thing. Yes. <laughs> Well, that would be a wonderful thing. You'll be able to download it before we've even written it. That's right. That'll be so good. You'll be so prescient. You won't, won't know what's hit you. So, yes, yeah, they will. So, so, anyway. so how can we download that, Henry? Well, if you, if you want to download it at sale pace at the moment, you can go to uh, marcustoday.com.au uh, and hop on a free two-week trial and see what all the things that we have to say. And we've had some good wins recently, so um, mm-hmm. worth, worth doing. Yeah. Thanks, Henry. Talk to you next week. And we've got a special guest today, Stephen Pritchard, and that is Ian Moranti, and he is the CEO of Nationwide Superannuation Fund, based right here in Newcastle. So, so I thought today we'd talk about something different. We're going to talk about um, uh, superannuation and small business and their various obligations and how they're about to change in. Um, or small business with people more than 20, they're about to change on the 1st of July and for less than 20 on the 1st of July the following year. Yeah, yeah. so um, one of the things is that uh, sometimes small businesses um, get behind, it's not only small businesses for that matter, so, uh, businesses get behind on their um, payment of their uh, superannuation guarantee on behalf of the employers uh, and the employees. So um, there's there's an amnesty period in process at the moment, isn't there, Ian, on, on what happens if you if you're behind? Uh, yes, Stephen. Uh, there are penalties that apply um, from the tax office for any employers who don't meet their super guarantee obligations. And the government has announced that for a 12-month period from the 24th of May this year, Employers who have unpaid super guarantee for their employees have a chance to catch up and clear those unpaid contributions without having to pay the usual penalties. Uh, They will, of course, have to pay the interest charged on those late contributions. Uh, And just a a point of interest, the interest rate on those uh, unpaid contributions is 8.77% at the moment. So... Even that in itself is a a penalty that if you're in business, uh, particularly small business, um, you um, don't want to be paying those sorts of... uh, That's a pretty high rate. It is a very high high rate. So the the opportunity at the moment for that uh, amnesty period is something that if an employer is behind in their super guarantee payments, they should look at uh, catching up and making amends as soon as possible. So, so with the with this eight point percent interest, so the employer pays that. So, does that end up in the member's account, or does the ATO just appropriate that? 
Uh, I'm not sure, Stephen. That's a very good question. It's an interesting I, thought, isn't it? Uh, it is, yes. Theoretically, you would have thought it should end up in the member's account. Uh, but, uh, uh, theoretically, but you, it should, yes. So anyhow, so if someone wants to take that advantage of that amnesty, they should um, think about that and uh, get some professional advice on how to, how to proceed. And uh, Yes. Uh, a point to note there at the moment too, Stephen, is that the amnesty period... Uh, doesn't stop the ATO from pursuing their normal enforcement activity. Um, so it's not a, a free hit for 12 months. Um, what it means is that if you, as an employer, take action before the ATO takes action, then you can uh, potentially avoid some of the other higher penalties. But uh, the time uh, is to act now if you are behind in your contributions rather than than waiting for the ATA to tap you on the shoulder. And then one of the other things that's coming in on the 1st of July, which which is probably going to have a bit of an impact on this, at least for, for people with more than 20 employees, is this thing called uh, single-touch payroll that's being introduced. And, and basically how that's going to work is, um, in general terms, is when you prepare your payroll and you, you know, you produce the direct debit things and print out the pay slips or email them to the to the staff um at the same time you do that 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 information is going to be transmitted to the ato well this is the theory in yes, case. Yeah. so so all your payroll information is going to be reported to the ato each each pay period yes Stephen, and that's a i think a, a quantum move from the situation that we have at the moment where there's a can be a very long lag between the ATO being aware of a, a problem and then uh, taking action to follow it up. The idea with the single touch payroll is that it'll be a real time reporting. So as soon as uh, an employer processes their payroll, the payroll software will forward the relevant information through to the ATO. And the other side of the coin of that is that from the superannuation funds point of view, that from uh, March next year, they will be reporting to the ATO uh, every employer and personal contribution that they receive. And so the ATO will be matching up the information that comes from the employer payroll with the information that comes from the super fund. And if there's a discrepancy there, it will stand out very clearly. And that'll be the trigger for the ATO to, uh, to take further action. So the ATO is going to start receiving all this data. What, what are they actually going to do with it? Uh, well, the idea, Stephen, is to be able to match the processing that is being done by an employer. And in the previously, or up until now, it's been possible for an employer to process the payroll but not actually send the contributions through to the ATO, and that's where there's been a, a, a problem uh, for instance, the tax office state that during the 2014-15 year, there was about $2.85 billion worth of super contributions that uh, hadn't been actually paid through to the employee super fund. So the tax office is trying to uh, cut down on that amount so that uh, employees are going to be able to receive on time the contributions that are, are due to them. It's mm, a fair bit of money, and so so what happens if you uh, if you if you don't comply with any of this? Uh, if you don't comply, uh, there are a number of penalties that 
employers can be liable for and uh, the penalties can be fairly severe and uh, for instance there's um, a director penalty that could apply to uh, directors that are a director of a company that fails to make their super guarantee uh, contributions. Uh, there's a penalty for not complying with the choice fund that an employee, um, uh, if the employee does make a choice then there's a penalty for the employee not following that choice. Uh, there's an administrative penalty of uh, and that penalty can be up to 75% of the shortfall in your uh, contributions. There can be a, a 30 penalty uh, units uh, for failing to keep records and the penalty unit at the moment is valued at sorry, $210. So $6,000. So if you're looking at uh, you know, 30 times that, the uh, $6,300 uh, penalty, um, there's a penalty for failing to provide a super guarantee charge statement when required and that penalty can be 200% of the amount um, that you haven't paid. Um, so there's a number of penalties there and they can all um, singly or collectively add up to be quite an amount and, and if you're in small business particularly you don't need those extra uh, penalties and, and expenses being paid that life can be difficult enough as it is. So. Um, so, what, so what happens with people who don't have uh, uh, payroll packages? Um, unfortunately, it's a matter of keeping up with the times and, uh, and getting the resources that you need to comply with your obligations. Um, I know that a lot of people in the past have probably used their um, hard copy books, pen and paper, to do things. Um, times are moving on and the government is saying these are the requirements from now onwards and uh, you need to abide by those requirements. Uh, I suspect that there will be um, business advisors and uh, uh, people like that that will be able to try and help small business comply. Uh, yeah, that's fine, but all this comes at a cost and as the government's the beneficiary, you, you know, the government should be subsidising all this. Yeah, they should be supplying the software. Counterpunch. <laughs> no, that's right. I mean, they're laying all these additional costs mm. on the small business to yeah. assist their own administration. Mm. The public servants isn't shrinking, so it's obviously not having any cost savings in the public sector. So, you know, they should be, should be subsidising small business to do their tax collection for them. Well, it's a very interesting situation and um, we will no doubt be hearing more about that. Thank you, Ian Moranti from Nationwide Superannuation Fund. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, that Jane. is Thursday Finance for today.